Hey, Brian here with Mid-City Vineyard Church. Mid-City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. And if you want to learn a little bit more about us, check us out online at midcityvineyard.org, Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard, and on Instagram at Mid-City Vineyard. I want to let you know that coming up on October the 7th, Sunday morning, October the 7th at 10.30 a.m., will be our second annual Blessing of the Pets out at Bayou St. John. And so if you live in the Mid-City area and you have uh, very little friends, we want to invite you to come and join us out there on the Bayou at 10.30, October the 7th. Have your pets blessed and have a good old time as we're going to have serve up jambalaya and hot dogs. And it should be a great time for the community. For the last number of weeks, we've been in a series entitled Breathing Underwater. This week we are looking at the understanding that when we make amends to those in our lives who we have wronged, it brings lightness, it brings freedom, and it takes us to a much greater place of peace. So Breathing Underwater, Part 9, Authentic Amends. Hope you enjoy. Let's head on over to the podcast. Much peace to you. All right, so let me catch you up. If you, uh, if you happen to be popping in for the first time or if you haven't been here uh, in a couple of weeks, we have been in a series uh, now. This is week nine of our series entitled Breathing Underwater. And what we, what we have been uh, moving through here is what does it really look like for us to grow and become spiritually Mature. Basically, what does it look like to, to grow up in Christ? So that as we as, as people who are are journeying with Christ, we're not we're not just uh, uh, stunted in a place of growth where 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 we're getting older, but we're not becoming wiser, <laughs> where we're getting older, but we're not becoming kinder or we're not becoming more generous or we're not becoming more forgiving or, or you know, but we just kind of stay stuck in our our, our ways and yet don't really grow mature, don't really sink those, those roots deep down into the soil. And what we've done is, uh, based off of Father Richard Rohr, we've based a lot of this series off of a book that he wrote called Breathing Underwater, and, and we've tied it into the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. So basically spirituality and the 12 steps. And so we've already worked through the first seven steps, and tonight we're going to be looking at steps Eight and steps nine, as one would in the Alcoholics Anonymous book, uh, but also we're really taking a very, a very um, uh, scriptural approach to how these steps have been inspired and how God might use these in our lives, even if you don't have an addiction to alcohol. So in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says, uh, perhaps maybe his most famous words, that you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and also love your neighbor as yourself. And so what we, we understand here at Mid-City Vineyard is that we have all been created to live in harmony with ourselves, live fully connected to ourselves, that we would learn how to actually love ourselves without shame, without fear, that we are, we are created to live in harmony, to live fully connected to one another. That we could live in connection with other human beings. That we are created to live fully connected in harmony to creation. Which is why we take care of this place 
where we've been given to, to live this earth. And we are created to live in harmony and fully connected to the divine, to God, to understand and to live into the worth that God has given to us, that God has bestowed upon us. And so we work towards these things, loving ourselves, loving others, loving God, loving creation. But in order to nurture, in order to nurture one's life, in order to really sink the roots of our soul deeper and deeper into the soil, to grow and to mature, if this is really what we're after, then it only happens, it only happens by actually cooperating with the Holy Spirit. It only happens by cooperating with the divine. And finding our lives and, and bringing our lives into alignment with God, with God's purposes for us. And it's an interesting thing because, you know, we've got, we've got this really cool um, small group going on Thursday nights. And everyone's invited to come out Thursday night at 7 o'clock. We meet at CC's over on Esplanade. Uh, but there's probably been on average five or six of us that, that show up for, for the discussion group. And it's been so much fun just actually pressing in with each other and saying, well, what is, what is maturity in Christ looking like in your life these days? You know, what is, what is growing up in Christ looking like in your life these days? How are, how are the things that we've been talking about? Are, what is God doing and, and how are you cooperating and what does that look like? Because when you want to move in this direction... The Spirit of God is always ready. The Spirit of God is always, is always open and ready. Part of it, and what we'll look at tonight, is bringing our lives in this alignment. And part of that is putting our own house in order. And that's really what, I, to me, that seems to be what most of AA, I was not very familiar with AA until a few years ago. But it seems that most of the Alcoholics Anonymous program, if, 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 if one would call it a program, really it's less of a program and more of a lifestyle. But the, the thing about AA is it's about putting your house in order. You know, because we start by understanding that the house is unmanageable, that the, that the addiction is out of control, that, that we are not in control. It's, it, we, 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 we can't do this thing. And that's the first step to placing your house, getting your house in order. And then we, we surrender, or we acknowledge a, a being greater than ourselves, and then we surrender our will to this being, to this divine one. And now as we move through, and we, we find ourselves tonight, um, after last week, does anybody remember what last week's steps were that we worked on? Come on. I know, they're making a big impact. Yeah, humble, <laughs> honest humility. And where, where, yes, where we humbly ask God. Like we, 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 we've come to the place where we're like, you know what? I'm entirely ready. God, I'm entirely ready for these defects in my life, for these flaws. I'm entirely ready to have them removed. And we humbly ask God. So would you, would you invade this space? Would you bring healing? Would you, would you take this? Would you take what, I, what I'm offering up here and would you, bring healing. That's part of getting our house in order. And the next part is actually clearing the space between us and other people. Clearing the space between us and other people. Step eight in Alcoholics Anonymous says, we make a list of all the persons that we have harmed 
and we became willing to make amends to all of them. Step nine, now that we've made our list, we make direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. I love what's going on here because this to me is so in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What does it look like to actually love others? And part of that is clearing the room, clearing the space, clearing the divide, clearing away the angst and the anxieties, clearing away the stress, clearing away the animosity between us and the other to the best that we can. Make no mistake about it. You guys know this, but sometimes we we seem to forget this all of the time. But you only have control or you're only in charge of yourself. You have no charge over anyone else. So what you take to a relationship, you're in charge of how you respond. You're in charge of how you forgive. You're in charge of how you withhold forgiveness. You're in charge of whether or not you hold on to that grudge. You're in charge of what you bring to that relationship. You're not in charge of how they receive it or how they respond or how they treat you in return. You, You have no charge or control over that. But what you do have is charge over what you bring to it. What I have is what I charge is what I bring to it. And so we begin to think through what does it look like to clear the space between us and the other? To clear the angst, to clear the unforgiveness. What does it look like to lay down our grudges? What does it look like to stop facilitating pain and hurt and to actually start facilitating mercy and kindness? There's this general misconception today in the world that Eventually, our problems will just disappear. And, and you, you know, we might say, well, no, that's not true at all. But then we watch people, and, and, and we just we put things onto the side and say, well, I'll, I'll deal with that later, full well knowing that we will not deal with that later, in great hopes that it'll just disappear. Right? And maybe it disappears in the fact that they disappear for a while. You know, maybe they... Um, well, whatever, whatever it was that happened in the relationship, but now they, they're over there and we're over here. And we don't see them quite long for quite some time, and it starts to get better and better until we're at Rouse's and we see them out of the corner of our eye at the end of the other end of the aisle that we're on. And what do we do? We kind of sneak away to the other aisle, and we avoid them at all costs. Because regardless of how much we like to think that we're better now and, and, and it's gone away, there's still something that says, well, yeah, but I don't want to run up and hug them or tell them hi or smile at them ever again. So we think, well, if we ignore it, it'll cease to matter. It'll go away. But we know that it won't because it doesn't work that way. Nothing just disappears especially when it comes to your own growth and your own maturity, your own spiritual well-being. Things that are going to grow you aren't going to just disappear. Things have to be dealt with. Things have to be pushed into. Things have to be pressed into. And everything must be, at some point, reconciled and accounted for. I'm fairly convinced, I'm fairly convinced that whatever we don't clear up this side of new heavens and new earth, that when we, when we walk into new heavens and new earth, that 
we're still going to have to clear stuff up. So, you know, if, if, if Ryan and I decide to, to write each other off and we never deal with it, well, here's the deal. In New Heavens and New Earth, Ryan and I are, are going to have to rub shoulders again. And if we don't deal with it and figure it out now, we're going to have to do it then. Because this stuff doesn't just disappear. So step eight says, this is about those that we have harmed. Those that we have harmed. So here's what happens. We harm someone, we get in a tiff, we have a, we have a, a, a strenuous relationship, and they go their way and we go our way, and we do business on our end with God. And we come to a place where we start to feel better about ourselves with God, and we, we realize, well, okay, God has forgiven me for this, and I, I know that. And, I, and I'm not saying that that hasn't happened. I, I believe that that does happen. I feel like I've, I've repented of this. I've, I've expressed myself to God on this. And, and so God has forgiven me. And so now I can just I can forget about it. The problem with that for a Christian is that it's too vertical. It's just a, it's just a me and God kind of thing. And we talk about this in Mid-City Vineyard all the time. Life is not, spirituality is not, Christianity is not just a you and God thing. Christianity and the life of following Jesus is a this kind of thing. This is, this is to be Christian. This is to practice the Christian tradition. This here, the relationship, God, people, together. And so you can't just do this, this vertical thing without doing this horizontal thing and just think, oh, everything is, is okay now. It's not. Because Jesus seems overly clear, seems, over and over again, that we need to get our stuff straight with each other. St. Paul talks about this often, that we would get our stuff straight with one another. And it's really quite self-serving to alleviate your own guilt while allowing the other people to just continue suffering in their own mess and guilt. But some people, some people are hell-bent on really not forgiving the other. Let us not be those people. Matthew 22, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5. If you have uh, your Bible, you can turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, oh, we didn't put the Bibles out. So if, if you have your phone, you can pull that out. Or if you just want to listen, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. And Jesus says this. Now listen, you've heard it said uh, to the people long ago that you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or a sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And at the altar, right there, you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, and then come back and offer your gift. So Jesus is saying here, listen, when you, when you come to that place of worship, when whatever it is, this, when you come to the table, when you come to that, that space and place, and you remember that there is something that is standing between you and a brother or sister. He says, go get it right. Go get it right. Because your life, 
your life of eating, living, breathing, your life of following after Jesus, it's not just about you and Jesus. And Jesus knows that. He says, it's not just about me and you. It's about us. And so go get your stuff straight. So what we do, because this, these steps tonight have to do with those personal, those interpersonal relationships. But we take a look backwards and we try to determine in particular relationships, perhaps. What part did I play in that? Or what part do I play in that? And then we try to start working towards repairing the damage. And we consider how we might develop the best possible relationship with every human being on the planet to the best that we can. Now listen, I fully understand and full well know that there are many, many relationships that aren't, aren't going to work. I mean, this, you know, there, there are going to be lots of relationships in our lives, whether you know, there, was, there could have been abuse uh, in certain relationships, uh, there could have been uh, just backstabbing to the point that you, you just feel like you can't go back. And I, I understand that. This is not about making sure that you become buddy-buddy with everyone from your past, again. But it does. We are talking about what, did, what role did you play Where is and was or is your fault in this? And what does it look like to make amends from that perspective? And the only way to get there is to take an accurate assessment. You know, try just, and it it really involves thinking and processing in line with the Holy Spirit. What does it look like, God? Where did I bring harm? Where where am I at fault? Where have I I, uh, spewed angst and, and, and hate and, and judgmentalism or whatever it might be. Where have I wreaked havoc in this or these particular relationships? And for many of us, forgiveness is going to be a, a, a huge key here. Because what happens is when we begin to ponder a relationship that is whacked out and that we have written off, it, whenever we start to ponder those types of relationships, we immediately become defensive And we start looking at the broken relationship and only seem to be able to remember what they did to us. And I understand that because that's what I do. Because it hurt, whatever they did. But when we do that, we escape looking at the wrongs that we participated in. And we resentfully look at the wrongs that they put on us which ultimately, what does this do? Now think, this is where we're headed. But if Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come to give you life and I want you to experience life to its fullest. Anytime that you keep someone caged up in your brain, unforgiving or not forgiving them, who, and we know the answer, but who are we hurting? Not them. I think we've talked about this before, but I used to think of it like, like I keep this little, uh, you remember the, uh, Tweety Bird had that little bird cage that Tweety Bird had. So I have this image of Tweety Bird's bird cage, and it's in my head. But instead of Tweety Bird, I keep people in it. I keep people in that little cage, people that I, I, I have wronged me. And I keep them in that cage because it makes me feel good. And every now and then, like, I'll pull, I'll pull, I'll open up the little latch, and I'll pull them out of the cage by the neck, and I'll just kind of slap them about a bit. You know, and, and, and I, I do this in my head, or uh, I don't really slap them about a bit, but I do it in my head. And when I do that, it makes me feel better. 
makes me feel better about myself. It makes me, it makes me feel better to, to have put them down again or to, to kind of rehearse it and remember it. And then I, 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 I get that out and I feel, feel better and I put them back and I, I lock the door again and just put it back. And when I do this, I, I haven't forgiven anyone of anything. And you know what? It, 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 it sits in my soul like a ton of bricks. Because I'm ultimately being held hostage here. I'm the one who's being held hostage by trying to hold others hostage. So if we make the accurate assessment of what we brought to the table, how we wronged, and how we might begin to move towards forgiveness, but also we forgive, maybe we forgive them and we forgive ourselves in the process, but we move towards them to make amends. When we do that, and listen, when you move to making amends with someone, you have no control, remember, of how they respond. But you do have control over how you approach it. And when you do, something amazing happens you actually begin to experience freedom. You begin to experience freedom. What they do with it, they can do whatever they want with it, but you begin to experience freedom. A little bit of how it works. In, 2000, in 2011, so what's that? Yes, seven or eight, seven years ago? Maybe it was 2010. Uh, I, was, I, knew, I knew nothing of the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And one night I was sitting, it was a Saturday night, I had just uh, left uh, a, ch a church gathering uh, from a different church we were a part of. I had left the church gathering, and in that gathering that night, I don't remember anything uh, that the preacher said. I don't remember, I don't remember anything except sitting in my chair, and in the moment, uh, there was a particular moment during the gathering where I felt like, at, at that time, I was running a lot, like... Um, uh, I was running every day at that point in my life, and I had this intense urge and desire to go for a run when I got home from the gathering. And so I, I got home, and I put on my running shoes, I laced up, and I, I, I walked out the door, and I, had, I, I didn't know what was going on, but this was a different type of thing for me. And I just started running. And I ran for a mile, and then I, 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 I hit two, and then I hit three, and then I hit four, and then I hit five, and then I hit mile six. And, and I just kept going and going and going, and I was having like all these, these thoughts and things going on in my head. It just, and, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, well, I knew it was the Holy Spirit after. All of a sudden, what started happening was all of these images of people that I had major grudges against started flooding my mind. And it was, it was years' worth of people, <laughs> like... Well, this person hurt me in this way, and this person hurt me in this way, and this person hurt me in this way, and this person, and some of these grudges stretched back 14 years. And I wrote this person off because they hurt me in this way. And these names and these faces just started flooding my mind. And as I kept running that particular evening, I started to feel like, wow, I need, I need to do something about this because as their names and their faces are coming into my mind, I'm getting upset again. This was 14 years ago this person did this. And I'm getting upset again. And this was 10 years ago that this person did this. And I'm getting upset again. I'm reliving it. This was last year. And I'm reliving it. And then, I think this was around mile 7 or 8, I remember having this thought, yeah, but what have you contributed to the harm in these relationships? 
you know, by writing this person off or by saying, you know, by leaving the conversation the way you did 14 years ago with this person or by, um, you know, by uh, whatever it was, what did you do to contribute to the pain in these relationships? And by the end of my run that night, I knew what I had to do. I, 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 couldn't even, I couldn't even shower first. I had to go inside and I had to find these people on the internet. I, uh, uh, Facebook made it a lot easier. Some of these people were now living in other countries. Uh, most are living in other states. But I, I went and I just found most of these people on Facebook and I sent these inbox messages. And, and the message was, and, and this is how I knew it was a radical kind of Holy Spirit kind of thing because, you know, in mile one, I was still angry. And by the end, I think I ran 10 miles that night. By the end of the, the run that night, I was, I was like, I've got... I've got to give myself to this, this process. And I wrote these emails that said, basically, um, you know, I'm thinking back on this time, and I, I want you to know that I am so very sorry for the hurt that I contributed to this, the brokenness in this relationship. And it wasn't, it wasn't much that I had to say, and, and you need to understand that in this situation and in this process, that I had been hurt so deeply by so many of these people. And there is a reason the relationship was broken and it wasn't all because of me. But I, was, I found myself in a place where I did not have to say, and I want you to know I forgive you also. See, that's kind of a classic one. You know, because, and I think we do that because it makes us feel a little, a little good about ourselves again. Like I'm kind of a spiritual big shot. I know you're a prick, but I, st I forgive you, you know, because I'm good like that. That does nothing. I think we do that more for ourselves. And so it was reaching the place where, you know what, you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me anything. I think I sent off 12 or 15 emails that night. And then you kind of you wait. Kind of wait. What's going to happen now? One person wrote back and said, thank you. One person wrote back and said, I contributed a lot to that broken relationship too, and I also am very sorry. The person that hurt me the most wrote back and said, yeah, you really did do that. Thanks for apologizing. And then I thought, after a few choice words, I thought maybe I'm not as, <laughs> maybe I don't forgive them yet. Maybe I still have something to work through, but you know what? I still had to apologize because I contributed to this. I had to make amends. That night, I went to bed feeling like a million bucks. The next day, I woke up feeling so much lighter. 14 years worth of grudges. Just, I'm letting this go. But I'm not just letting this go. I'm making, for the best that I can, I'm making this because I think it's good for me, I think it's good for the kingdom, and I think that it's following the ways of Jesus. And Jesus says, I wanna give you light, but if, I, if you're gonna get the light that I wanna give you, you're gonna have to press into some, some difficult things, which include dying to yourself and taking on my light. There's a lot of dying to self in exercises and practices like this. But when you die to yourself, and you take up the life of Christ, that's the real life that Jesus is offering. So this week, I would encourage you, 
What would it look like to think through these particular steps? What would it look like in your own life? You know, and, and just in line with where we've been. We've, we've talked about finding and, and locating with the, with the Holy Spirit our flaws and, and taking those things before God. And we've talked about uh, recognizing the parts of our lives that have become unmanageable and turning that and surrendering that over to God. What, what areas of your life perhaps are, are being robbed from you and you actually have something to contribute here to seeing freedom come? What would it look like? On your handouts tonight, you'll see uh, some of the exercises again. And again, I encourage you, if you, if you are a person that uh, regularly uh, has practices, uh, disciplines that you uh, practice, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, maybe integrate these questions. It's basically one question a day. Uh, if you're not a person that has some type of uh, daily practice or, or weekly disciplines or practices of, of um, just slowing your mind down, slowing your soul down, then maybe you could try these uh, one, one, once a day, just asking these questions and, and meditate on them, think on them throughout, throughout your day uh, as you continue to process uh, these things together. So why don't we stand? I'm going to pray for us and uh, remind you if anybody needs prayer for anything tonight, uh, we'd love to pray for each other, so I invite you to stick around and let someone pray for you. So Lord, we thank you for uh, what you are continuing to do in our lives. God, we thank you that I just, I love those words in, 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 in the book of John where you say, listen, I, I want you to have life. I want you to experience it more fully, more beautifully. So come on and, and follow, follow me. So Lord, continue to give us the strength and the courage to follow you, to, to die to ourselves, where we need to die to ourselves, to live into you, where you're calling us and inviting us to, to deeper spaces and places. And Lord, may we have the courage, especially for those in the room tonight who, who know where maybe they've contributed to, to some of the brokenness of relationship. Lord, may we have the courage and would your spirit guide us in, in making amends and leaving our sacrifice at the altar and going and seeing relationships reconciled where we can. And so church tonight as you go, just uh, may the Lord God bless you and keep you. May the Lord God cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Spirit of God open your eyes and your heart and your soul, your mind, your ears to the love and the mercy and the grace of God all around you. Sunday to Sunday. As you go through your everyday, beautiful, ordinary working, eating, drinking, going to the gym kind of life. And may the Lord God give you peace. May all your relationships this week be covered over with mercy and grace, kindness and beauty. We pray all these things tonight in the name of God, the divine creator, in the name of Jesus, the cosmic Christ who was and the beginning is now and will be forevermore. In the name of the Holy Spirit that breathes life and love into all of creation, including your very lungs. And together, everybody said, Amen and Amen. Hey, if you need prayer for anything, why don't you come on, let's pray for each other. If not, you can help us clean up.
and then find somebody, go out to eat to a fantastic mid-city restaurant.